Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Folks, welcome into Aunt Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma, Patrick Mooney, doing a little vacation time this week, uh, which means he's going to miss perhaps the last opportunity for us to talk about the Cubs being so good lately that maybe, maybe they have to change course. Uh, I, I'm sort of half chuckling, but they're buyers. We'll get, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> So uh, we are here to talk Cubs, and as it is July, that of course will mean selling-related talk, but uh, as I joke there at the top, um, we should note the Cubs are now winners of four series in a row, uh, including this most recent one in Milwaukee, uh, which very easily could have been a sweep, but for uh, David Robertson little bit of control issues for maybe the first time this year. Um, and they lose one in extra innings. Old friend Victor Caratini not acting very friend-like and walking the Brewers <laughs> off. But other than that, you know, another competitive series for the Cubs. And I believe that's five of six series that they've won. Now, the flip side to that is all that winning has led them to still 14 games under 500. Um, so it's it's not really it's not actually enough to to change any kind of calculus in terms of how they proceed this month. But but the question I have for you, Sahadev, how much winning would they have to engage in from here until the end of this month for them to be like, okay, wait a minute, maybe we should just let this thing ride and see what happens. Like how or, or let alone buy, you know, like what would have to happen? Is it literally winning out for the month? Uh, is it getting within a few games of the central? Is it getting within a few games of a wild card? They're currently nine games out in the wild card. So right. single digits, baby. Uh, yeah. What would have to happen? <laughs> I I don't think what would have to happen is possible. Like, well, hey, I'm we're talking, th- yeah, we're talking 0.01% <laughs> outcomes here. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, what there's 25 ish games maybe until the deadline. Let's mm-hmm. say, I mean, Getting going twenty and five would get them a game over five hundred. Uh, <laughs> so maybe that's what it takes. Maybe, and even then, I'd be like, "Huh?" Like, I think you know, we'd we'd have to like revisit what was our thought process at the beginning of the season as to what it you know yeah, like wh- where would been. they sit? Yeah, you know, at the beginning of the season, we were like they'd have to be like fully in the race, like. Uh, a game or two, right? Like a, a round 500 may not have been something that Jed wanted to mess with, right? No, they would uh, not have wanted to be in that. Yeah. It would, they would want to be where they are now or, you know, surprising. Upside. Firmly. Yeah. I think you'd have uh, to. It also comes down to how you project the next two months. You know, like I think 
I, I think unlike maybe a typical year, they probably would put some value on a wild card appearance this year. I think there would be some value um, in a variety of ways to doing that. So it isn't a year where I think they would say, ah, it's not worth just like sneaking into the playoffs. It's not worth, you know, changing plans, but like, could, would, would they in that scenario think about trying to make additions that are medium term additions, you know, ones that would help down the stretch would help next year as they try to turn the page, et cetera. Yeah. That, that'd be the kind of thing they would consider. And that's probably what we would have said before the season too, if they were in this middle ground is they wouldn't look at paying steep prices for rentals, but they might look at, you know, they might be in the mix on those multi-year 2015 guys. type deals. Exactly. And, uh, you know, again, this, this conversation is entirely academic. The Cubs have eight of 10 coming up against the Dodgers and the Mets and for them to even go five and five, including those four against the Dodgers are in LA. So for the Cubs to even go five and five over this stretch of 10 games is going to take performance above and beyond what they have shown so far this year. So this is just, it, it's really just an enjoyable discussion, but I, I will say this. I mean, just as far as the team as a whole and watching this nice stretch of play, uh, yeah, this season is out the window, right? But let's try and understand why it's out the window. There was that 3-14 and 14 stretch where I think a lot of it turned out to be the offense was like trying to find its footing, right? That's kind of the beginning of like midway through that uh, Suzuki really started struggling again. Uh, they didn't have morale yet. Yeah, they didn't have morale yet. There just wasn't a lot going on. Like they... I don't even think Nico had really turned bad, it on. He was yet. getting really bad luck during that. Stretch, yes. yes. So, I mean, that was a lot of the offense was just, it, it was trying to figure itself out. I almost feel like this offense is, is not bad. Like if you watch this offense uh, every day, you'll see that there are some pieces there that are really interesting. Now, of course you take Wilson Contreras away from that. It, it significantly dings the offense. I understand that. I'm not saying that he doesn't matter or that, you know, trading him won't change the change the way you have to look at things and how you have to build this offense. My point is, it's that 10-game stretch that we really need to look at. Why did that happen, right? It, it's not a coincidence that that happened right after 11 games in nine days. It, it's not a coincidence that that happened when the bullpen suddenly got short uh, because of that and Chris Martin was gone uh, because of a family tragedy. So, you know, that that's something that you can't ignore, right? This team, I I feel like I I feel annoyed with myself for having to say this, but they're not as bad as their record. They're just not. They're not this bad of a team. And I and I look at the Brewers and I look at that offense and I say, yeah, well, why why isn't the Cubs' offense just as good as that offense, if not better? Like so, it it is all about the pitching. And the starting pitching, they don't have Corbin Burns, uh, they don't have Freddie Peralta, and they don't have uh, Brandon Woodruff. Now, I don't, I, I think Freddie Peralta's out for a bit, right? I, I, like yeah, it's flat. his injury is like pretty significant, and uh, I'm not sure what the status is on Brandon Woodruff. So, I mean, the Brewers are a perfectly fine team, but it, I mean, the Cardinals are are a good team and they're well built, but these these teams aren't impossible to catch. And I think the more I watch, 
I know it's like keep coming back to the Contreras inevitable trade. We need to revisit this in August, right? Midway, like after the deadline, we're going to need to look at what they got for Wilson Contreras. And we need to kind of understand that building a team is it's not impossible for them to build a really good offense for 2023 and put the pieces in place to be uh, a mid 80 ish win team for 2023. Uh, It's going to take, you get you get the big shortstop, and that hopefully replaces the the bat of of Wilson Contreras as well as upgrading the defense. And then you can get another piece that maybe isn't as elite as that offensive but player, but is much better. And there's things going on on this team that I think people just want to ignore. Like Patrick Wisdom has completely turned into a really good player. If there's some way that they can actually get him a day off occasionally, I think that would help him too. Uh, Morel's a real piece. Now, is he what he was for the first, whatever, what was that, two weeks or so, three weeks? No, he's not like some 150 weighted runs created plus guy, but he's, they have all these like really good role players. And then you bring Suzuki back and he looks like he does right now. It's three games. One game was just one plate appearance, a pinch hit walk, right? So I I don't want to go too far with him, but like Suzuki looks healthy and good. And this is how he looked right out of the gate to the season. We need to let this season play out to really figure out what, what, what the Cubs have, but they're not, not as far off as that record says. I, I really believe that they need to spend, they need to add, they need to make some shrewd moves. Uh, they need to be right. Like Jed says all the time, but, uh, I really don't think, and I don't think the Cubs believe that either. Just talking to some of the coaches, like not on the record stuff where they have to talk fluff, but like talking to some of these guys, uh, I I think they believe they're they're really they're really headed in the right direction. I would add to that. I suspect uh, one of the things we talked about before the season was uh, an effort on the offensive side by the Cubs to try to approximate some things that the Giants were doing well when it comes to optimizing matchups. When you have a lot of fungible pieces, it's not just about lefty-righty platoon splits. It's about optimizing for the defense behind the pitcher, for the type of pitcher you're facing, like what zones he focuses on, what pitches, etc. You know, I believe a lot of that got mucked up by some of the early injuries uh, and a feeling like when Jason Hayward was around, he had to play at least against every righty and Nick Madrigal had to play every day. Now I'm not including Madrigal with Hayward for the purposes of saying he's not a potential future piece. Hayward is not Madrigal is a little different. He might be, but I mean, in terms of how he was performing at the time, that feeling like, well, we've got to have him in there and we've got to have Hayward in there. I think did double harm to the offense. They obviously were among two of the worst hitters in all of baseball for that. That that's that hurts your lineup. But it, I also think it put the squeeze on the Cubs' ability to really optimize at various spots because those were, you know, second base and right field and center field are are some of the places where they have the most maneuverability. And we saw that, it's not a coincidence, when Christopher Morell came up and his ability to play in those spots and be moved around in those spots to coordinate with Rafael Ortega to get him facing just the right matchups. Again, not a coincidence that Ortega has been on fire since that first month. Uh, I think I think there's something there 
that I don't want to lose sight of for the future, because it, again, it, it doesn't really matter for this year. But if the Cubs do have a lot of these movable pieces, and if they do, if they maybe are getting a little better at figuring out how to optimize for how they deploy guys, how they rest guys, how they use the DH, uh, which again, that's another one that has been fantastic this year, the way they have used Wilson Contreras at DH. Um, they may have not like a enormous edge, not an edge that a lot of teams don't have, but just the ability to maybe get a little more out of the offense than the sum of the parts would suggest. And that's something we haven't seen from a Cubs offense in a decade. And so uh, that's another piece of this that like, I don't want to go too far with. Uh, I want to observe it over the rest of this year. I want to see, and it isn't preemptively going to be an excuse for them not to spend this offseason on offensive pieces, because I'm with Sahad of hundred percent that if, especially if you're going to trade Wilson Contreras, you got to figure out how to make up for that bat this offseason because yeah. it's probably not coming internally in the next year. So that's something I will want to watch going forward. And it's something that I have at least at the margins been encouraged about the last few weeks. Yeah. And I mean, I think you see it by adding Suzuki to the lineup. You push wisdom down a couple spots. They only had Wilson there for a game, right? With But you have Wilson and Suzuki there. And, and if, if Patrick wisdom is batting sixth or seventh in your lineup, suddenly you're like, wait, that's a, good offense i i mean i i honestly don't know how many people are paying attention to how good wisdom has been like he's done i think you've written this brett but we both you and i kind of like we're like man if he could get that strikeout rate below 35 percent or just even at 35 percent that's a really good player that's like i mean that's a nice piece to have uh, i don't think he's arbitration eligible until after next <clears throat> season uh yeah like that's I, I know he's 30 what is he 30 31 he's gonna turn 30 I mean yeah so I mean what is he he's got like Adam Duvall years left for a couple more years here uh, you'll take that if he's batting sixth or seventh right I mean Duvall plays for a winning team that's pushing for an NL East title like that's yeah yeah that that's a big win for them I think there's little things going on that are wins. Uh, Morrell, we've talked about. PJ Higgins is a nice, nice piece to have. Like, if you are trading Wilson Contreras and you're investing that money somewhere else this offseason, that turns into a, a like, a, that turns into, they have to spend, right? They have to, like, it's, it's going to be months of hand wringing. And, and Cubs fans being upset and saying this is what the hell is the plan. But if they spend and go get that shortstop, it starts to crystallize a little bit, right? Because what you're doing is you see what the Yankees are doing. I don't love how bad the offense is for the Astros catching situation. I don't, I don't want to say like, hey, just follow that model. But if you have enough around it and the pitching is there, of course, you can't just overlook the pitching, uh, <laughs> then, then it can work, right? It, you know, you want to be able to replenish it through the system and then spend in other areas, right? So if you, if the tandem is PJ Higgins and Jan Gomes, that those are two highly respected catchers. I know PJ Higgins just showed up. People don't really know what he is. I can tell you from my conversations with the staff and and pitchers, he's highly respected with the way he calls games, with his game planning, with his work behind the plate. Is he going to have a whatever he has right now, 150 way to runs created plus? Absolutely not. 
He doesn't hit the ball hard enough. He's not fast enough to sustain the BABIP that he has right now. Uh, the peripherals just don't add up. The fact that he puts the ball in play and 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 takes some walks, I think that leads to me saying, yeah, he could probably be average to slightly above on offense. Not this impact bat, but <clears throat> I think these little developments like that should not go overlooked. It's why I wrote the piece about like the optimist guide to the first half like that. There are things here that you just you look at and you're like, okay, there's the bones here. You're you're building something that's not as far away as 14 games under 500 suggests. So you can and I think we're starting to see little bits and pieces of it with the nice play lately. I think you're going to also see in all likelihood this weekend the difference between the elite teams, which the Cubs probably won't even get to in 2023 and and you know what the cubs are dealing with right now like the difference between the dodgers the yankees we we see it repeatedly they're just a, a a step above they're a whole class above the cubs but their division isn't the brewers and the cardinals just aren't in that same class as as these teams and and i think it's reachable for the cubs to say hey we can get back in the conversation by 2023 when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I think that's a pretty good place that transition <laughs> transitions us well to the aspect that is harder, I think, to see not not the developments because we have absolutely seen positive developments on this side of things, but a little harder, I think, to see the path to it quickly being a, a, a positive in 2023. And that's uh, the starting pitching specifically. <clears throat> and that has, um, I don't want to say without question, but that has been a key reason why this has not been a competitive team this year. I think the Cubs did do a better job constructing a rotation than they did the year before. Uh, but that is one of those famously low bars because uh, I can't remember how many times we went into the 2021 season talking about how, well, if they have truly elite defense, this rotation might be <laughs> passable. Um, this year, you know, there were improvements on paper, but I think it has really hurt to not have Marcus Stroman available for such significant stretches of the year. Um, I think it is has really hurt, but is not surprising that Kyle Hendricks has suffered from some additional decline and, and physical deterioration. Um, and then, obviously, it has really hurt to be missing Wade Miley and Drew Smiley for the majority of the year. Those aren't front of the rotation guys, 
but they're steady presences that allow you, you know, when Matt Swarmer is ready to come up, he doesn't come up and tr- you, you have him start several games. He comes up as a multi-inning reliever. And, and that's has a, again, it's, it's a duplicative impact on your entire pitching staff when you have guys in the right roles. Um, now uh, to take some of your optimist spin, uh, I do appreciate that because of all these injuries, the Cubs have had an opportunity to really stick with Justin Steele, to really stick with Keegan Thompson and allow them not only to develop, but also to inform the organization like, okay, look what you might have here and whatever processes you use to get these guys here. Like, Hey, you got something that's working and that's all way more valuable for the future than it would have mattered for this year. So I'm, I'm good with that. Um, it's just that I think that when we evaluate the Cubs' performance to this point, I th- that they've been a little unlucky on the starting pitching side of things. And that doesn't mean that they're a good team, and it doesn't mean I'm saying that if they had perfect health, they'd be in the race, whatever. I'm just saying it, it's another layer to all of this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't ignore that. The whole – I mean, Jed openly was saying, what's our priority this offseason? Pitching, pitching, pitching. Right. And and he went out and got three pitchers and they've all been on the shelf. Right. They've all been hurt. Uh, so it, it's <laughs> I mean, it, it, starting pitching just completely sunk them last season. They had no chance because of the starting pitching. The starting pitching uh, like was covered. The issues were covered up early on. Right. When they were competing for first place because the bullpen was so good uh, and the offense was passable. But eventually the pitching just just got to a point where like it they wore down the bullpen and, and it wasn't sustainable so it, something similar happened that during the losing streaks especially the t- 10 game run uh that really put them out of any chance of you know getting back into things uh, oh, that can i slide in real quick and i, I yeah, kept yeah. forgetting to mention this during that stretch that you're talking about where the rotation really got crippled and it really exposed the bullpen did you know there was a more than a month long period where the Cubs had the worst performing bullpen in baseball by, by a lot. Right. It was, there was, and it was precisely because of what you're talking about. It was, it was a combo of that, I think. And then guys coming in to relief spots, like they were so banged up. There were like those, uh, Gesellman, uh, relief outings, certain guys like that, that had to like eat innings or just wear it. Because in the and the bullpen ERA just ballooned. It wasn't because it, like some guys were out, some guys were banged up. Uh, I'm sure Rowan Wick was going through things, right? Like Rowan Wick is Rowan Wick's interesting in the sense that he looked almost unusable for a while there, to the point where there were like four or five outings in a row where I was like, "What is going on with Rowan Wick? His stuff doesn't even look good." Like this, like there that that's what was throwing me off. It's like I've seen him like have rough outings, but the stuff looks like average and and that's not Rowan Wick and now you know I think I, I was talking to some people and he there were some mechanical things off his his pitches were kind of like mixing blending together and and not uh, they didn't they weren't as distinct shapes as they need to be and he's looked much better of late so you know you pitchers go through that and and when you're forced to use a guy when he's not his best self that's you know that's just like there's this cumulative effect right you have to go to this guy because you have no one else that's you know who is up and ready to go because oh i've been using this guy too much uh he's down today uh this guy's you know 
barking a bit. I, I don't want to put him in today. So you go to the guy whose mechanics are a little off and it and it blows up <laughs> in your face, of course. So there's it's all those little things. And that's again, that's not an excuse because you need to build depth. You need to have a team that's uh, that can overcome any mistake. Teams do it all the time. But and this seems certainly not there. But there's a reason they're at this point, and it's not because they didn't try and address certain issues. They just don't have the depth to cover up when those when those pieces they go and get are, aren't there. Uh, I agree with you. I think it it, it works. It, it worked out in one way uh, that like a moments like Keegan Thompson's two terrible starts in a row. Those are learning moments for him. He he's going to be a better pitcher for having gone through that. Um, if there is a season where Kyle Hendricks is going to be up and down and and trying to uh, battle through injuries, it's probably a season like this where that's lost uh, early on that you'd like it to happen. If it, if you have to have that that type of season from Kyle Hendricks, this is probably the one to have it. I I refuse to write him off because there's too many veteran pitchers that just know how to pitch that go through these moments in their career. And and people are just like, well, he's done. Uh, like, give up on him and let's uh, don't waste any more time. He's a veteran. He knows how to pitch. He's dealing with shoulder issues. Once he's healthy, we, we saw. I mean, I feel like when when he was act when the shoulder wasn't barking, he was missing more bats than he had early on in the season. Right? He he seemed to be getting back into a rhythm, uh, and finding a better version of himself. You just need to see if he can be that veteran presence on the team that gives you innings and that has like an average to slightly above average ERA. And I think he can get back to that spot. If that's as early as 2023, that's huge for them, right? You just need another uh, guy like that in the rotation. I, I don't think we should overreact to stuff right now. You'd love evidence that in the second half that he can be that guy, but I, I, I really think it it would be unfair for fans to just write him off going forward because this is, this happens to veterans. Like careers aren't these perfect, like it's not always up, 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 up. And then the second it goes down, that's not the end. That's not how it works. I mean, just look at the Cardinals and look at Adam Wainwright. It's he multiple times. People are like, well, this guy's cooked. Like this guy's, his career is over. Like, why are we wasting our time? Watch even watching him. Uh, And, and he's very good veteran pitcher and, you know, has a has a spot on a playoff rotation. All right. Last thing I want to throw at you is, is very specific. It's on the same topic, but you, you know, you can't not bring it up after he did it again is Adrian Sampson 5.2 <laughs> yesterday against the Brewers. Um, a lot of bad contact, a lot of he didn't get quite as many swings and misses as the last three outings, uh, but he did have some putaways working because he still did strike out five. Um, his lone mistake was that meatball to Keston Hira, who hit it 440 feet after he had just missed what he thought was uh, strike three on yeah. the call. He was walking <laughs> off the mound. And, um, you know, we've talked about Samson before in this context where it, it's very hard to one entirely discern what's happening and to buy in. And, and so I guess my question to you is how much longer does he have to do this and look like this and where you're, you know, I've, I've analyzed him as best I can. And and as near as I can tell, it's just like a lot of little incremental improvements in a lot of different ways, you know, like a little change to the pitch mix, little change to his release point, little more velocity. 
Uh, and okay, like he's getting results and it's, and it, it's not just fluky results either. He's earning these results. What's fluky potentially right. is like, is the execution. And I, so I, I don't know how much longer would he have to do this to where you're like, okay, he's 30. Yes, but he's controllable. Uh, he's getting results. There are some potential reasons we can point to why he's getting these results. Maybe we keep giving him starts in the second half and at least, you know, at least run this thing to the end of the season. Yeah, I, I don't have a good answer as far as how much longer. <laughs> I, I I think it needs to be a lot longer because <laughs> I just I, I'm not bought in. I think what we're seeing, this is like I, what all the stuff you described is pretty accurate. And I've talked to some people there that there's you know, there's not one thing that they point to and say, like, well, he's, he's doing this. And we, we figured this out with his mechanics or we're, you know, th- look at this pitch and and understand like, yes, the four seam is being used more. And I think it's a little more effective uh, there. There are some like the little things you described. I think what it is, is he feels really good on the mound. His mechanics and everything are in a place where all that stuff, all those little details you're talking about, that's why they're everything's a little crisper because he's in this place where he feels really good on the mound. To me, what that is is a guy that's locked in, and this is kind of like a heater, right? We're going to see how long does it last, or is it a turning point where he's figured out some cues with his mechanics that he can lock it in and, and keep this going forward for the foreseeable future? I'd be surprised if that's the case. I, I just think he's locked in. With this happens with pitchers, uh, with pitchers especially, where where they they just feel really good and they're like, man, I can really repeat everything. And oh, okay, yeah, using my four seam is working. Okay, I'm gonna go to that. So now he's got something that he hasn't always gone to as as frequently. That's working for him. He's got a little bit of deception. It's it, like there's, it's just all locked in. And this is this is a nice run for him. That's what I think. I it'd be great for the Cubs uh, if he was able to prove that assessment wrong, uh, because then he becomes a nice you know back end rotation piece that can give you five six innings and two three runs. That's that's perfectly fine, and that's that's the type of guy you need to get through a season with, right? I mean, it'd be like finding Eric Lauer, right? Uh, completely different uh, peripherals and everything, but but I think. You know that that's you find random guys every once in a while that that kind of perform better than expected. Uh, I think with Lauer, there's more of an explanation, but still, uh, it 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 can happen. So you, I don't want to completely rule it out. I just think he's locked in. Let's see how much longer it goes. You ride it. I I think you're right. You you see how long it goes. Essentially, it's not a question of like, well, we need to pull him back because we have this guy that. You can let Caleb Killian figure things out in AAA, continue to work. Like there's no rush right now for for that. And and eventually there's just gonna be enough rotation spots that he probably, if he continues to perform, just let him ride it. See if you find a surprise, great. Okay, and then go into next season with him battling for a fifth spot in the rotation or something like that, right? Unless you really unless the whiffs from the previous do not this last one, but if the whiffs like jump back up again and, and he's whiffing guys, I don't like then it's like I don't know what's going on. Like that's that was like an I, I think that's truly just a guy like locked in and, and going on a heater. Yeah, I think that all tracks. I think he's gonna have the benefit of probably 
whether because of continued injuries or trades, still going to have lots of opportunities to make starts this year. And I think what he's bought himself now is a more secure 40 man roster spot for the rest of this season. You know, he was a guy who was getting, he was at the edge of that consideration, getting DFA'd, getting claimed, getting, you know, whatever. I think he's going to hold on to that spot now. And even if there aren't starts at some point for a stretch, he'll be optioned down. You know, he won't be DFA'd. They'll hang on to him. And then the question is going to be the off season. You know, has he earned that 40 man spot to be retained through the off season? And I think that's, really more of what he'll be pitching for this year um, and what the Cubs are going to want to know. It's kind of like the conversation we had a few weeks ago about PJ Higgins, where it was get him up, let him play a bit so that the Cubs have information about that 40 man decision in the off season. And I think that's going to be the case with a number of these edge case guys in the second half where you just want to be better informed so that when it comes time to make those decisions in November and December, you're you're in a much better place, and um, I think Samson emerging as a surefire starter, it, it, like thinking of him as a surefire starter for 2023 is still pretty unlikely. I think he'd almost have to do this sub three ERA stuff that he's doing right now through the rest of the year before you'd right. be like, okay, I guess this is working. Uh, otherwise, it again, it's just that 40 man consideration. But so far, so good. Uh, we'll leave it there for today. Uh, the Cubs are heading to LA for four against the Dodgers who, uh, have been so ridiculous the last few weeks that they have opened up huge leads. I don't know if you've noticed, I hadn't really noticed until someone tweeted it and I was like, holy crap, that was a tight race until about two weeks ago. And now it's like a blowout. Um, so the Dodgers, yeah, they're pretty good. So the Cubs will try to, uh, the the goal their goal should be when Brett Sahadev and Patrick are talking again on Tuesday they're still talking about well what if what would have to happen <laughs> uh you know that that's that's the bar so hope you all have a good weekend and uh we appreciate you as always this is on to Waveland I'm Brett Taylor. You can catch my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That's Sahadev Sharma. Get his at the Athletic. I didn't get a chance to plug it uh, but some of that wisdom conversation actually tracks with this. You wrote something on Narciso Crook that is a little bit, it's about him, yes, but it's more about like organizational philosophy stuff and how they reclaim guys like that, that I thought really spoke to a lot of Patrick Wisdom stuff and read, seek it out. It's from a few days ago now at this point, folks, but if you haven't read it, read it because it's awesome. And uh, yeah, that's where I'll leave it. So take care. Thanks, folks. Be well.